0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at cceldoret.org, that is cceldoret.org. And here is today's word.
1: John chapter 20 verse 31 the very purpose statement of the gospel of John as we've discussed many many times it seemed to have been a fitting ending but we are forever grateful and changed if we apply the principles and the truth that we learn from chapter 21 to our lives. We ended in verse 14 last week of John chapter 21. And really, this is not exclusively a story about Peter, but the main subject is Peter. And now we enter into the restoration of Peter and then the recommissioning, the recalling of Peter. Um, The Lord is restoring him through his endless grace and mercy, this incredible portion of scripture where we learn so much. Um, We're grateful to the Lord for, for teaching us this, for letting us see this. Peter had been that impulsive, prideful man who seems to be the leader, aside from Jesus Christ, of this group of men. These men are following him, and uh, he has this charismatic personality where people will follow him, Um, and it just goes to show that it doesn't matter how charismatic one may be, and so he's this charismatic guy, but this is proof that leaders themselves may be kind of born leaders but they go the wrong way leading other people astray. We gave you the different viewpoints of how um, the commentators, the Bible teachers, view what's going on here. Most believe Peter is backslidden um, and, and may not be in this kind of overt sin, like going out and getting drunk, but he is not doing what the Lord has commissioned him to do. In Matthew 20, he says, go wait for me, kind of on this mountain, was the idea uh, that we gather from the different Gospels, and Jesus is down in the water fishing. He tells them all, I'm going fishing, and uh, they, they come with him. Peter was that person who had that great confession in Matthew chapter 16. And then right after the great confession of who Jesus Christ is, and the Lord changing his name, uh, which we'll look at in just a moment, um, he has that incredible blunder where Jesus says, I'm going to die. Peter begins to rebuke him, and with very strong language, Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't think of the things of God, but the things of the devil. So Peter is this person. Uh, After this, he tells Jesus, because Jesus says, all of you are gonna be offended by me, all of you are gonna be scattered, and Peter blurts out once again in Peter fashion, Though all of these betray you, I will not. I will fight with you and I will die for you, Peter tells the Lord Jesus Christ. And and Jesus says in Luke chapter 22, "Will will you die for me, Peter? I tell you the truth, you will deny me three times when the cock crows twice. So over and over again, he's getting rebuked for his overestimation of himself. He's getting rebuked for his pride. He's getting rebuked for his wayward ambitions, those ambitions that are against the will of God, like Jesus not dying on the cross, probably for the reason of setting up a kingdom where Peter has this political position. And if Jesus dies, all of his self-willed ambitions are going to die as well because he was a nobody before Christ. Now he's the somebody with Christ, using Christ for the wrong reasons. And then all of what Jesus says, of course, comes to pass. Peter does betray him, does deny him, is scattered because of him, and he goes out. He's confused. Though Jesus has poured out grace on him, he still isn't completely, absolutely restored for the ministry that Jesus Christ is calling him to. It says in verse 15, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? It's interesting that he says, Simon, son of Jonah, because this is his previous name before he was given the name Peter. You remember in Matthew's gospel, where we get the first time the church is mentioned, we get the very foundation doctrine of the church itself, church being Um, the word of God foundationally, which is Jesus Christ. And because of this great confession, Jesus says in Matthew 16, who do men say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or or one of the prophets. And now Jesus asks the most important question, okay, great, that's what the, the world is saying, that's what different religious groups are saying I am, Now, here's the most important question of all. Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And Peter has this shining moment where he says, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. But he kind of goes from, no longer are you going to be called Simon Bar-Jonah, that's the son of Jonah. That is Jonah, the, your, your ancestral line is Jonah. The one who was swallowed up by a whale. You are, have been a shifting sand, Peter. That's the word The word Simon. That's what it means. A shifting sand. And he even says to Peter in Matthew um, chapter 16, later on he says, Simon, uh, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat or or shifting sand, but I have prayed for you. And he goes on and says what I said earlier. I'm not going to betray you. All these may betray you, but I'll die for you. An overestimation of himself. An overestimation of his abilities. And he's saying, you're, you're shifting sand. You're Simon. But you will be a rock, little rock, Petros, you will become a little rock in the church. Not the foundation stone. Not me. I am the foundation stone, the cornerstone of the church. The word of God will be the foundation of my church. But you, Peter, will be a, a stone. That's why Peter would later on mention in his epistle that we, like Peter, are living stones. He says, we are. He isn't the Pope. He is a living stone. Yes, a significant leader in the church, but nevertheless, a living stone, just like those of us who were born again. But Jesus is the cornerstone. And he's saying right here, hey, Simon, you remember who you used to be? Shifting sand. And this is the way, Simon, that you have been behaving. Without foundation, without a root, without strength, you have been operating in your own strength, which is Simon, which is shifting sand. That's why you have betrayed me. That's why you continually say things that um, don't come to pass because of this overestimation of yourself. I just had somebody quite recently tell my wife and I, I would never do that. I am not tempted by that. And we're like, you don't say such things. It's like this old movie line that you guys probably don't know. I would not say such things if I were you. And, and, and within, a, within one week, he's doing the very things he said he would never do. And you're just, you're just sitting there. I, I hear this often. I, in, in fact, one of the phrases we say here in Kenya, oh, I can't. I can't do that. I get what you're saying. In some ways, you don't want to do that. You don't have a desire to go do that sin. But don't say you can't do that. You can And if you're given the right circumstance under the right temptation without the right people around you, you can sin. And you would sin. Oh, I would never. Yeah, right. When I start hearing people say that, I'm watching for a fall. Because it's like Peter. So I want you to understand that The the Greek language, what, what he's going to communicate, we're going to see even in the name and also in the word love. Jesus is restoring Peter by getting him to understand, you are weak. You have failed because you're operating in your own strength. And you need to operate in the power of love. The power of the Holy Spirit. Simon, shifting sand, son of Jonah. Do you love me more than these? Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, he goes on, and, and Jesus, okay, feed my lambs. Hey, second time, Simon, do you love me more than these, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you, you, you know. You know that I love you. Now, the language has all changed. Peter has changed. Things have changed in Peter's mind, in Peter's heart. He is beginning to become a humble man, a man of humility. Jesus says to him, do you love me? He's using the word agape. That word agape is one of the four Greek words. Jesus, the the Bible really introducing the fourth word uh, amongst the four Greek words of love. You have storge, which is a parental word. Love, you have eros, which is a sensual, intimate love. And then you have the word phileo, which is this love that Peter mentions back to Jesus because Jesus uses the word agape. The word agape is sacrificial love. One way you could say it is perfect love. Do you love me perfectly, Peter? Do you, do you love me sacrificially? Do you love me above yourself now, Peter? This is what's happening here. This is what's going on. Peter, are you going to begin to love me more than you love your own desires, more than you love your own will, your own plans for this kingdom that now has been turned way upside down because just a few weeks ago you witnessed me dying on the cross. Now there is a new kingdom. There is a a new plan for you, a plan that I always had for you. Are, Are you ready to love me more than yourself? That's what Jesus is saying to him. And Peter doesn't respond with the word agape. He says, Lord, you know I phileo you. I, I like you. I, I have an affection toward you. You I have desires for you. And it's not him being rude to Jesus, it's him now understanding through his failure. The limitations that He has, Lord, I, I haven't loved You perfectly. I really like You. I really have affection towards You. But, 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 Lord, You know all things. You know what I. You know more than I. He, He, He is becoming this person. It's like, you know what, Lord, I told You I was going to die for You. You told me I wasn't. That I was going to betray You. So. There's no thing that I should be saying right now that you don't already know. By the time I went into a Christian discipleship program for those with life-controlling issues, I had already failed so much in my life. I had already tried in my own strength to follow God, to stop using drugs, to stop drinking, to stop being Immoral, all these things I tried and I failed over and over and over again for years. I had desires when I was about 17, 16, 17 stop doing this, stop going down this road, stop living this life. I even moved across state lines just so I could be away from. Those people who I knew I could get drugs from or alcohol from or whatever the uh, party life, and it never worked. So, by the time I came to Teen Challenge, there was this thing that goes on in the assemblies of God. Teen Challenge was the name of the program, it was for adults, it just that's the name of it because it started with teens. And these staff members would go around and say, Do you love him? Do you love the Lord? And it got to a point in my life where I had failed so much that I would respond, time will tell. Time will tell. I I can't say, because listen, loving him is obeying him. Time will tell is what I would say to, to the point where a staff member came to me once. He said, why do you keep saying time will tell when we ask you if you love Jesus? And I said, listen, I have failed so much. I have intended to do right so many times that I'm not going to go around talking about how much I love the Lord right now. I was at that stage in my life. I'm not saying you can't eventually. I'm just saying at that stage in my life, that's where I was at. That is the stage where Peter is at now. I have made claims of how much I love him. I've made claims of I will die for him. All of these different things. And I have failed. So Lord, you know that I like you. I have not loved you perfectly. I have not loved your will above mine. I have not agaped you But I have affection towards you. But by the way, you know, you know, I don't know any, I don't know, I don't know what I know anymore. I know I don't know everything. I know I don't have the strength to follow you. I thought I was a strong man, but I'm not. Listen, guys, what a glorious day when you and I discover how weak we are. What an amazing day when we discover how limited we are in our abilities to worship God, to live a righteous life. It is better for you. It is better for everyone around you. He says, do you love me? Do you got me more than these? What are more than these? Well, people give three different possibilities. One is the predominant, but they all work when it comes to preaching. The first possibility is Jesus is pointing to the fish that Peter just dragged up, that 400-pound catch that Peter dragged up by himself to the fire. Do you love me more than these fish? Um, representing, those fish representing Peter's career. His career as a fisherman. This was not a hobby for Peter. This was Peter's living. This was his livelihood. This is how he provided for his family. Hey, Peter, do you love me more than your career? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your abilities as a career fisherman? It is a very good question, and each and every one of us should ask ourselves, why does your career exist? Does it exist to give you the money so that you can have what you want? Or does your career exist to have what God wants for your life? You love me more than your career. You know, we use Jesus in a very pagan way. And there are so many in church around the world who uses him to get a good career. Oh, if you go to that church and that pastor prays that prayer and you have the faith as you are receiving that prayer, you'll get a promotion. It's, it's literally going to church to get what you want from Jesus. The same kind of thing that Peter was doing along with the rest of the disciples. And trying to get a career, a powerful political position in this earthly kingdom when Jesus had a powerful spiritual position in a heavenly kingdom for them, something so much greater. Do you love me more than your career? Are you using me? Peter, are you going to continue to use me to enhance your career? Are you going to do what I have planned for you? Feed my lambs. That's a possibility. Secondly, some people think he's pointing towards Peter's boat representing the material possessions that Peter has. Peter, you love me more than these. You you love me more than your material possessions. Do you love me more than, I know it sounds pathetic, but more than trying to build your compound? Do you love me more than trying to retire to the village? Does the very existence of your life is just to save enough money to get in that homeland of yours and retire. Which, by the way, is the, some of the very reasons of many parents in Kenya in having children. This is, you have kids because their retirement. Make sure you get them. And they can develop your compound. Listen, there's nothing wrong with children helping parents within reason. And, but it's, you know, I, I've, I've heard parents calling up their kids, be like, you're supposed to develop my compound. You're wasting your life here in Eldorite. You need to get a good job in uh, Nairobi or America. You're the ladder. We're going to climb all the way to America. That's uh, one auntie said to a, one of her um, nieces. I was in the room. It was an awkward moment for me. Do you love me more than the mystery? Are you just using me as a means by which you can develop your compound? There's nothing wrong with having a, a home. But do you love me more than your plans for retirement? Do you love me more than your plans to develop your compound? Do you love me more than these? The third option, and probably the most accurate, is, Peter, do you love me more than these disciples? That's probably what Jesus is saying to Peter. Do you love me more than these disciples like you said a few months ago? You remember what he said, right? Though all of these others are offended by you, leave you, betray you, are scattered because of you, I will not. I will die for you. What, a, what an arrogant, prideful, nasty thing to say. Number one, because you're saying it in front of the other disciples. It's like these other losers, Jesus. <laughs> These other bums, they may leave you. And he's looking at it. He's like, yeah, these bums. They, but I won't. So that's number one. He's being rude to the disciples. Secondly, he, he's contradicting what Jesus is saying is going to happen. Jesus happens to be God. Do you love me more than these? You, you know you know that I love you, Lord. I, you know all things. I, I don't know if I love you more than these. I definitely have not agape you, but I have affection towards you. I have desires for you. Feed my lambs. Secondly, tend my sheep. Thirdly, he says to feed sheep feed my sheep the first part is feed my lambs that's including of everyone you feed the children of God the adults you're becoming a minister you're becoming the person that I'm calling out to do ministry you need to go share my word with my children but Peter Don't forget, tend them as well. Don't just become a Bible teaching connoisseur. Just this amazing Bible guy. You got to share my word. You got to do that. But tend to them as well. Be tender towards them is what Jesus is saying. Peter, and guys, this is amazing what Jesus is doing He's he's saying, hey, Peter, remember what's going on here. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the grace and the mercy and the tender care that I'm bestowing upon you right now. Tend them as well as feed them. Be tender towards them. Be kind towards them. You're going to be frustrated with them. Peter, remember what I'm doing for you, how I'm responding to you, how I'm restoring you in this moment. Remember that, Peter. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, that if you see somebody overtaken in a fault or a sin... You who are spiritual—that's not you who are more spiritual. The idea is you who are currently walking in the spirit. Restore such a, pe- a person with gentleness, considering yourself at least you also be tempted. And the very command that we get by the apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Galatians one. Galatians 6.1 is the very thing Jesus is doing with Peter right now, and the very thing that Jesus is reminding Peter as he's calling him to ministry, as an evangelist, as a pastor, as a leader in the church, don't only feed my sheep, but be tender towards my sheep the way I am restoring you right now. That's what Jesus is doing. It's an amazing astounding act of grace and mercy and tender love towards Peter from Jesus Christ. And Peter is being told by Jesus Christ to do these same things to my people, to my sheep. Notice, these sheep belong to who? Jesus, not to Peter. Tend my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. The people of God belong to God, not to us. Pastors, they get so territorial. They're like dogs lifting up their hind leg and peeing everywhere to mark their territory. It's like these people belong to me. This is my, I mean, it's unfortunate at times that pastors resemble the very behaviors of politicians so often. This is my constituency. Now listen, I'm going to protect the sheep of this church. We're not going to allow people to come in and preach false doctrine or even doctrine that they're hearing differently from the pastors. But we're not going to start possess. It's like, yeah, you you can't marry anybody from another church. Now, if they're going to a Branhamite church or the Mormon church across the street, we're going to tell them not to be unequally yoked. But pastors can become so territorial, they belong to me. Listen, guys, you may belong to this church, if you're a member, but I don't own you. Jesus Christ does. He's bought you with a price. Your life is not your own. Jesus Christ is your Lord and your master and your owner. He is the one that you belong to. Peter, feed my sheep. They're not yours, Peter. Remember when you are ministering to these people that they belong to me, Peter, and I want you to treat them with as much care as I've treated you. He said this the third time, and Peter becomes sad. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. The third time that Jesus says it, he uses the same Greek word for love that Peter has been using the previous two times. Peter, do you phileo me? He becomes grieved. Yes, I phileo you. We don't know exactly why he's grieved. It says because it was the third time he asked. We don't know exactly why he's grieved because he asked a third time. Is it because he used a different Greek word? Maybe. Most likely it's because this is reminding Peter, not that Jesus is doing this intentionally to remind Peter, but this is reminding Peter of the three times that Peter betrayed Jesus Christ. That third time in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus heard as he's walking through the courtyard after he had been arrested and beaten and punched in the face. He hears Peter screaming out, I don't know him. Peter looks over, sees Jesus looking at him. And now Jesus is asking him a third time, Peter most likely being reminded of the three times that he claimed not only not to love Jesus Christ, but that he doesn't even know Jesus Christ. (laughs) But the real question, people, and this is amazing, why is Jesus doing this? Why is Jesus reminding Peter of the failure that he had previously had a few weeks prior? It's not because he's trying to remind him his failure. And you got to get this. This is our Lord Jesus Christ giving Peter the opportunity three times to claim his love for Jesus where he had failed three times prior because the Lord Jesus Christ restores the seasons and the years that the locusts have, have eaten. Peter? You you denied me three times. You denied knowing me. I'm going to give you three opportunities in front of witnesses to proclaim your love for me. Because, Peter, you get another chance. You get another opportunity to reclaim what the enemy took from you a few weeks ago. Is that not good news or what, church? Church. You get another opportunity, Peter. And I'm going to give you it three times. He is restoring him to the strength that he needs to do ministry. And one of the greatest points of all that, I, that you need to understand through this, that we need to understand, church, is that the very means by which we tend to the people of God, feed the children of God, feed the sheep of God, the adults, all in the body of Christ, is our love for Jesus Christ, not our own strength. If you love anything more than Jesus, your service to Jesus will fail. The same way that Peter's so-called love for Jesus Christ was really a selfish ambition to get a position in his kingdom. And it failed. And listen, If you love anything or anyone more than Christ, your life will be filled with unnecessary troubles and pain. If you love your wife more than Jesus Christ, your marriage will be strained. And you are doing your wife a disservice. If you love your husband more than Jesus Christ, your marriage will be strained and you're doing your husband a disservice. And listen, parents, if you love your children more than Jesus Christ, you are in the process of destroying your children. Because the only way you can properly love your children or your wife or your husband or your friends or being a good employer at work Representing Christ well or being a good testimony to your family is if you love Christ more than all those things. It's the only way. It will not offend those who love God if you love God more than them. It'll only offend those who love themselves more than God. And guess what? Let them be offended. If you love your job more than Jesus, you're in the process of destroying yourself and you will fail like Peter failed. If you love anything or anyone more than Jesus, you will not have the motivation to serve God in his kingdom And you will not be given a position to serve God in his kingdom. And that is the message that Jesus is sharing with Peter. Peter, you can't love anything more than me. Not your fish, your career, not your boat, your material possessions, not these other people, no people in the world. You must love me more. You must love me more, Peter, in order to be the man I'm calling you to be. You must love me more in order to be the husband I'm calling you to be, Peter. You must love me more in order to be the preacher I'm calling you to be. You must love me more, Peter, in order for you to be that person who's going to preach this gospel. You must love me. What a scary person to the kingdom of darkness for that person who loves jesus more than anything else the enemy is terrified by those people petrified terrified, running in fear when satan and the enemy comes to tempt these people they don't start saying hey they, the, the enemy doesn't flee when we start telling him how much money we have in our bank account, he only smiles. The enemy doesn't flee when we start talking about our compound that is beautiful, that secures us and protects us, he laughs. The enemy does not flee when we tell him about our skills or abilities to overcome him, he laughs even harder. The enemy flees when we talk about the name of Jesus Christ. He flees when we say, Jesus is the one who is my strength. Jesus is the object of my most affectionate love. Jesus is my Lord, and you can't stand in the presence of his name. So flee, Satan, like a dog's tail tucked between its legs. We must love Jesus more than everything That's everything, including your own desires. And Jesus says to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. Peter, before this time, and all the younger past, you did what you wanted. But when you were old, You will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. He spoke this signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Hey, Peter, do you remember the time where you said you were going to die for me in your own strength and you couldn't even stand up to a few people by a fire? Well, guess what, Peter? I'm restoring you three times now because you denied me three. Now you have proclaimed you love me three times. And and, and Peter, do you remember when you said you were going to die for me? You will die for me. I'm going to give you that chance now. (laughs) Be careful what you say. Peter, you said you were going to die for me. When you're old, I will let you die for me. You're going to be carried away and you're going to be crucified. You're going to die and he was crucified upside down. But now, Peter, you're following me for the right reasons. You're not following me to get a position in an earthly kingdom. You're following me because you love me, and you're going to do my will, and you're not going to do your own. And this is going to give you the strength to die for me, not your empty promises before This is going to give you the strength. Your love for me will cause you to overcome yourself. Follow me now. I asked you to follow me three years ago. Now you know what it means to follow me. Follow me for the right reasons now. Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Following who leaned on his breast at the supper, this is John, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. <laughs> and the Bible clarifies, this is good. The saying went out among the brethren that disciples would not die, or this disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not say that he would not die, but if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? These uh, disciples who testify these things and wrote these things, and we now know the testimony is true, and there are many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that were written, and after a year and a half to two years, we're done with the Gospel of John, amen. Hey, guys, we are so stupid. I mean, we are so, so dumb of people that we have to completely, holistically, absolutely, 100% rely on the word. These guys, they went out and started to form a doctrine immediately as the church is being started. About in time. Hey, guys, Jesus is going to come back before John dies. (laughs) So he said it, I heard him say it. And the writers of the, they're like, no guys, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus told Peter to mind his own business about God's will. Hey, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna die? Is he gonna die too? What's What's gonna happen to the rest of them? Am I the only one? Okay, Jesus. You've, you've prophesied about what's going to happen to me. I love you. I'm going to follow you now. It's not about me, it's about you. But is it, but what about John? What's that going to happen to him? Peter, what is that to you? That's not going to change anything about what I've told you to do. Even if he is called to remain and not die until my second coming, what is that to you? Do follow me, Peter do what I've asked. And then a doctrine starts spreading around. It's just crazy. So many things people cling on to that aren't biblical. But the writers say, no, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus is just saying to Peter, mind your business. I called you to this. I will call Peter to what I am calling him to. Or to John, what I'm calling him to. Listen, guys. This is foundational to Christianity. To you understanding what it means to be a Christian, a Christ follower. Do you love him more than yourself? Do you love Jesus Christ, more than your own plans for your life, more than your career, more than everything, because that is the very means by which you will follow him. And if you don't, you will not follow him to what he has for you. You won't. Don't operate in your own strength. Walk in the will of God. Amen? Listen, I want to pray over the offering. I want to pray now. And let me just say that the reason why we give our finances, which, by the way, it's not a matter of how much of your money that you give to God. It's how much of God's money that you keep. Thank you, for Amen, it's true. And listen, guys, if you have this idea that, you know, this church is wealthy, first of all, we're not, and they don't need the money, that is irrelevant to your worship to God. Your giving, the reason why we do this, it's because we're commanded to give an offering to God through our local church. It's biblical, scriptural. This is about worship. It is about worship, okay? It is about love. Not justifying in your mind the reasons why you shouldn't give. It is having the faith because you love God more than your money. What has he called you to do? He's called you to worship him in this kind of worship. This is a worship service. This is why we do it. Don't be like, ah, they don't need it. They got all the money in the world. It's irrelevant. By the way, we don't, but if we had 10 billion shillings in the church bank account, we don't. If we did, we don't. If we did, you're still to give to God through an act of love and worship. Let's pray for that. Let's pray for that. Lord, we worship you. We love you and we give to you. And what a marvelous story of grace and mercy that you have towards Peter. We love you, and we ask you pour out your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at cclderet.org or call us at 718 Zero one two four nine six that is zero seven one eight zero one two four nine six. See you next time.